Brian, did you buy Avatar tickets yet? Uh, no, I was debating, and then I don't know. I think I was looking at the opening weekend, and there weren't too many seats left. I was like, at first, I was like, oh, I could probably wait and get it like the next weekend, but then I'm starting what? to hear like good ha, things. Ha, about what? It. What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? It did not make my most anticipated list for this year. James Cameron comes out of his shell, and you think you can wait. The highest, the sequel to the highest grossing movie of all time! And you think you can wait? I I still don't think it's going to be that good, but I don't know. Fraud. Dude, what has... This whole podcast is a fraud. (laughs) What has Sam Worthington been in? Other than that, Avatar. Honestly. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's it. Like, honestly, because they tried to res- they tried to do him in a, in what the Terminator movie, and that sucked. And then like a couple other movies, like Man on the Ledge or some kind of thing like that. Just, I didn't mind Man on Ledge. That wasn't a bad movie. But I mean, just, yeah, he was only around for like five years, and then he disappeared. Yeah, he didn't seem to really catch on in the biz. <laughs> Look, sometimes you got to go film the Avatar sequels for ten years. Yeah, they. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, they must have locked him in forever. So. <laughs> That's all he needs now. Like, you buy one island on the southern tip of New Zealand, and you film all the Avatar movies. Is that what they did? No, I don't. No. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Maybe they built that big of a soundstage there that they need that much room. I, if I remember correctly, he James Cameron threatened to film them both back-to-back, two and three. Yeah. I don't know if he actually did. So. I'm a, I don't know. Yeah. So I hope. I'm wondering if Sam Worthington or whatever his name is 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 not actually a Navi now, like in real life, like they figured out a way to just make him blue, and he's not an actual. Okay, no, if they if they figured out how to make people into like cat women or cat men, I would know. <laughs> oh, that's true. You would know. Ian. I would know. Ian's like my two favorite movies: Avatar and Cats. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you're not like <laughs> number wrong. number three, Ghost in the Shell, <laughs> the distant third. Welcome to another episode of Bry Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode are two people continuing their movie mission, Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? And Ian Leidick. They made more of these? Is <laughs> yeah. that what I'm hearing? You you knew when you signed up for this, you had at least six to get through, and if we want to keep going to the new ones, there's seven and eight coming. <laughs> you made six of these? They yeah. made as many of these as there's Turtles movies? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And the quality is the same? No. <laughs> these are far and away better than the Ninja Turtles. I will go on record and say these are better than the Ninja Turtles movies. And I love Turtles Ninja- in time. You, I love the Ninja Turtles movies. The best movie we've seen in this fucked up crossover of movies. <laughs> Turtles in time. Will you go back to Japan? And that guy falls down a cliff for two years. Yeah. And then the splash is just like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
Fuck the turtles. <laughs> we were, so yeah. All right. Before we even get into all the like preamble stuff, but we were talking before this that I think Ian's gonna. The last one we did with Mission Mission Impossible Two Revered is probably the worst of the franchise. Like I think it's it's pretty on par. That's the one that everybody points at and says that's the low point of the series for Mission Impossible. I know for a fact Ian's probably gonna love this that one the most, and everything after that is just gonna be downhill. So we're all gonna we're gonna have the inverse reaction to pretty much everything we watch here. I mean, I'm, I'm expecting it. I'm gonna be more movie. surprised more surprised if he's on the same page with any of us. <laughs> all I gotta do is make another good movie. <laughs> That's what I, mean. I think your, our hard, bars right? for good and bad are a little bit different. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're back to <laughs> continue our never seen that series for Mission Impossible. We're up to Mission Impossible 3 from 2006. Uh, we have promised to do this about every two months, which should get us up to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, which is in July of next year, assuming that date holds and they don't change it for whatever reason. Uh, if you're wondering what the never seen that stuff is all about, it's pretty much... Uh, hopefully self-explanatory, but uh, these have always been envisioned as a way to introduce someone to a movie or series that we're surprised they haven't seen and uh, kind of feel like they should see. So to start us off, we try to record a little bit before watching the movie just to see how much people know going in, and then we'll take a break to watch the movie, and then we'll come back afterwards to give sort of a review and our thoughts on the movie and see where we stand. Um, another refresher, I guess, all of these movies are brand new to Ian. Uh, Andy has seen you think up to number four ish of six. I do believe I've seen number four. Okay. But it's, it's, it's not exactly fresh in the old membrane head. Yeah. So you may have seen them, but not often. And it's been a while since you've rewatched any of these. Correct. Okay. So yeah, even though Andy's seen some of these, if they're not fresh for the sake of covering our bases, I'm making him watch them all again from the beginning. So we have the two of them have gone through the first two movies. We're on number three. Uh, so what do I guess, Andy, what do you remember maybe about Mission Impossible 3? Um, I, I don't want to give stuff like, like generally. Yeah, no, no spoilers. No, yeah. Okay. Anything stick um, out to you immediately out of Mission Impossible 3? Because I know if you haven't seen them for a while, I feel like they kind of like blend together maybe. Right. I feel like number three is a bit more personal for Ethan Hunt. Okay. Um, instead of, um, he just sort of like takes missions and the other ones, in my opinion, like he, he doesn't have like that basis for, uh, I don't know. It, it It's, it's more personal for him in, in okay. these ones for reasons that I can't tell. Right. Uh, Ian, I guess, what do you, any, any guesses what Mission Impossible 3 would be about? So other than what Andy on, just said, <laughs> based on the Halloween three season of the witch, I believe that they're fighting an evil mask company that's using evil masks that turn children into like monsters or something at midnight on Halloween. So Ethan Hunt has to go and destroy all these masks. I mean, if they were doing a Halloween mission impossible, like I'd be down for that. Like I, I get that. I could, <laughs> I could see that. That's not this movie, but you know, I, I see what you're getting at. Yeah, you could do the whole like ma- person with a mask under a mask under a mask under a mask gag, you know. Ian cool. Ian hates the mask <laughs> gag so bad that they are now the villain of his Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> Just like though Halloween three, where Mike Myers isn't in it, Ethan Hunt isn't in this one. That's my prediction. <laughs> You're wrong, but yeah. you know, good try. <laughs> You know, for it seemed like for after four, it seemed like they were going to try that. They were going to take Tom Cruise out, but you know, he didn't want to. 
wasn't ready to give this up yet, so he's still here three movies later. <laughs> That's weird just because I'm like, is it the only reason this franchise exists because he kept agreeing to do them? I think somewhere around four, it was like to the point where at least studio execs were thinking Tom Cruise was not a marketable star anymore. So they were the trying to that? pass the they were trying to pass the torch. So the movie that... kind of sets up that it, it's doing that, but we're not even on that one yet. But was when that, we get was there, that when he jumped on Oprah's couch, or like, it might have been they... comparable to that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the think... dates of all that stuff. We'd have to look at that look that up and see, but. Yeah, that might when line was Tom up. Tom Cruise not a marketable star <laughs> in my head? Like, when did that happen? Yeah, that was the de- definite lowest point for him. Yeah, yes. I, I feel like it hasn't ever happened. Yeah. He's still very marketable. <laughs> like, even that, people were like, eh, he's just a weird little man. He is a weird little man. He makes some really good fucking movies, but he's a weird little man. Like, Yeah, like, I don't really care for him outside of the movies, but he's good in those. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, How do you feel know. about him right before the movie when he thanks you for coming back to cinema? <laughs> <laughs> the dude is like way too positive like i feel like they like no one is ever that happy all the time and that scares me about him like well i don't know if you i don't know maybe were to take some type of test down at your local scientology center <laughs> maybe you could learn how to be that happy <laughs> yeah i'm afraid what those results would tell me so um <laughs> can, can i can i add a little bit of something that i remember from this movie sure i believe this one also features philip seymour hoffman Yes, yes, he is the 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 big bad for this one. Yeah, an excellent uh, performance from him, if I recall. Yeah, I I really like him in this movie. Um, How do you have any? Does he wear? I can't tell you that. That's spo- we got. We have to predict <laughs> that, right? That's that's predicting. <laughs> yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman. How yeah. many masks do you? Feel? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, Ian, what are what are some of your other than the the. Uh, specific predictions that we're going to try to get to. Any other predictions for Mission Impossible 3? What do you maybe expect to see? He jumps out of a helicopter. Okay. Oh, like, all right. And it, it, like, not onto a train, but maybe? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I would like I would like if a train's involved when he jumps out of the helicopter. <laughs> I mean, that feels like it should be in the realm of Mission Impossible movies, so he might and be on something. Kind of, and if, if it's anything like the second one, I'm hoping there's some type of motorcycle joust scene <laughs> i would enjoy that as well and if if we're if I'm, if I'm really doing my wish list i i would like to see him do a canadian destroyer it's a wrestling move we'll see if it happens <laughs> ever since two now it's just gonna be what wrestling moves does ethan hunt pull in the mission impossible movies the arm bar, I'm, the arm bar. Wonder- <laughs> I'm like now wondering i'm like how much of Attitude Error inspired these movies? <laughs> the Bronco Buster. Oh my god, it's the Bronco Buster. <laughs> okay, if he does a Bronco Buster at any point, it gets a 10. <laughs> if, if he does a Bronco Buster, I don't know if you know that the move is, Brian. It's a guy no, no. sitting in the ropes, like, on his, you know, he's sitting on the ring against the, you know, the ropes, the corner, the ropes, the, and the, the other guy jumps yeah. in, and it's like, Fucking him essentially, you know. Yeah, like he rides him basically. Him. Yeah. You know, the 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 butt is the thrust of the attack on the other dude's chest. If Ethan Hunt does that to someone, and that's how he pulls off the mask by thrusting into him, ten instant ten. That sounds like a completely different movie than what we're gonna watch. <laughs> <laughs> or is it? <laughs> uh, Ian, I'll direct this one to you. Do you expect any drastic changes from the previous two movies? For this one, every one of these has had a different director so far. 
So we had uh, what Brian De Palma, John Woo, and this one is the first live action directorial debut of J.J. Abrams. Okay, <laughs> so I am <laughs> expecting. No, no, no! You you just spoiled half the movie for me <laughs> with that. So I'm expecting this great, amazing setup at the very beginning that never pays off. <laughs> <laughs> that cuts a little bit too deep. I feel like for for certain things JJ has done. <laughs> I love JJ, but what? goddamn it, Lost, <laughs> Star Wars. I, I will go up to bat for Lost. <laughs> the Star Wars thing is is still a very sore spot for me, and I I try very hard not to spin into fucking. Just being Brian's really mad ble- about that. Yeah, it's still, still bleeding. Yeah, I <laughs> it's can't, an open wound. <laughs> I can't ever get over that for some reason. I don't know why. It's almost He's... like they set up a really cool trilogy and then just brought Palpatine back. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what to do. Let's just do this again. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Hey, um, you're related to him? <laughs> what? <laughs> Ethan Hunt's related to Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get a You're My Father line out of this. It's going to be great. He never said that in the movie. <laughs> what he actually said was, "I I get it. Yeah, he said Luke. Yeah, I I know. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I'm trying to see. I don't know where to spin from here. Yeah. Um, I guess the the only other prediction I have for you, Ian, uh, to ask you ahead of time: Do you think you'd like this movie any better or less than your highest rated right now, which is Mission Impossible Two? I mean, we're going from John Woo to Gigi Abrams, though. <laughs> like, I mean, come on. I bet there's zero doves in this. <laughs> uh, Andy, do you think you like this any more or less than the maybe the previous two? Uh, based on previous watches that I seem to recall, I'm going to like this better. Okay. All right, so now we're going to get into the predictions that I think we've tried to establish through previous watches. And we're just gonna I, try to give a number and see if we're right or wrong. I think I think he hand fucks someone again. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's not, definitely not one of the ones we were gonna put that's in. Not on the list. <laughs> no, no, that's not. Damn it! Could have swore. Ian's got down. his own list. His he's own like, list of predictions. That he's are like, not I sanctioned. have it in my notes. So weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm staring at my mouse pad, and it says he fucks someone with their hand again. <laughs> um. First prediction, how many mask reveals will happen? Seven. <laughs> Seven. <laughs> I got burned by this last time. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to go lower. I'm going to go three. All right. I got a uh, seven for Ian. Andy says three. Like I said, this one's obviously a homage to Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, <laughs> which was all about masks. I'm like trying to remember offhand, but I, I don't want to pick the same as Andy, and I feel like two is too low, so I'm just going to go with four. Okay, three and a half. The mask Brian, doesn't I mean, come off. We we could have won <laughs> together. So <laughs> <laughs> I want to. I'm you know I'm trying to give people a chance to you know sit on the pedestal themselves. I'm not going to share space with everybody. So let's oh. do t- let's do Twitter polls and see see if we can get predictions from our followers on Twitter. <laughs> I do have the question: of, Does the mass technology once again wildly upgrade overnight, and no one talks about it? I think every movie they yeah there's a there's a this is granted six years between the last movie so well but is it six years in universe well I don't know but I mean like, I mean no just Tom Cruise like yeah I had I dated who was the girl in the last movie who we fell in love with um ah oh, shit actress what's her name? or real yeah name, or... um uh Nadia was right the the yeah oh yeah like, did, did he have a secret Tandy child Noon, with Tandy her Noon, and then Tandy forgot Noon. about Tandy it. Noon. 
Like in between. Wait, say it again. Sorry. Did he have a child with her and then ditch the child in between the movies? That's oh. what I want to know. Yeah, uh, no. That's how I know whether or not <laughs> match technology is upgraded six years. I'm just saying, like, from a movie special effects standpoint, it's been six years since the last one. So, yes, typically it's usually going to jump up a decent... Um, I don't remember what they did last time for the mask. Well, they had the, the throat thing, and I think they also didn't have to rip them off in a way that was like, that's clearly a different actor oh, right. there. <laughs> okay, so the upgrade was, yeah, actually putting, like, the voice changer in there. Yeah. And stuff like that. Okay. And also it not obviously being a different actor under the yeah, mask yeah, yeah. when they pull it off. Okay. Um, another prediction. But, Does Ethan go rogue in this movie? Well, Andy said it's personal. So I'm assuming... I, you know what? I'm going to go... This mission isn't even sanctioned. He goes rogue <laughs> from the beginning. The mission itself is him going rogue. <laughs> Alright, so Ian's a big fat yes. <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed when he doesn't. <laughs> the government's just like, yeah, do this thing. And he's like, oh, that's my brother. I got to save my brother. I feel like we've already passed the movie where I thought he hadn't. And I think somehow we justified that he did. Was it the so last one? I yeah. think it was the last one. Yeah. But that's trying to pull from memory for some of these two. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that was him going rogue because he like didn't follow the government's orders. Like literally. Yeah. And the uh, first one, they tried to burn notice him. Anyone watch Burn Notice? They tried to burn notice him. <laughs> Andy, go rogue, yes or no? Yes. Okay. Wasn't Bruce Campbell in Burn Notice? He always wore a Hawaiian shirt. I think you're correct from someone who these hasn't are, watched these are Burn Notice. Questions. I mean, Ian brought it up. I feel like Ian should be the. the I've never watched the show. Here. Okay. All right. I just saw ads for it when I was watching I think you're stuff. correct, Andy. I think you're correct. Okay. Uh, what else do we have? Does Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle? Yes or no? Oh, yeah, because the joust scene. <laughs> I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, too. I want to say... I'm going to I'm gonna actually go with Andy on this one. I'm going to say no. If you just Google, did Tom Cruise buy a motorcycle around this time, that's how you find out whether or not you're right. <laughs> uh, I think... I think one of the questions Andy wanted us to add, is there a helicopter? Because we're, yes no. we're, we're two for two on helicopters. <laughs> he jumps out of the helicopter onto the motorcycle and then they joust on top of a train. I mean, do we want, do we want to specify that? Like, does a helicopter do something? Does like, or just, is there flat out a helicopter period? That's all we're going with. I don't know. Is there a helicopter involved in. Is Ethan Hunt do something or to a helicopter? Okay. So it's not just like, oh, man, someone's getting a helicopter tour over there. It's somehow, <laughs> Ethan Hunt... Mission related. That, Ethan Hunt wants that helicopter to do something or do something to it. Because the helicopter saved Tandy Newton, I believe, in the last one. Okay, so I'm going to say, is there a mission-related helicopter? Yeah, there you go. Alright, so that's the question. Is there a mission-related helicopter, yes or no? Yes, yes. Andy? I'm going three for three, helicopter. Okay. I think I'm also going to put yes. I think by the fifth one, though, they upgrade to, like, those Harriers that, like, are airplanes <laughs> that also float. Like oh, True yeah. Lies. Yeah. yeah. You're fired. <laughs> 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 um, all right, the last prediction we have. How many times will Tom Cruise run? Now, again, to specify, if he's running continuously and it cuts to something else and then cuts back to him and he's still running, that's still one. 
That's still one, yes. He has to stop running and then start again for the next one to count. And it doesn't have to be a voluntary stop. Like, he could be running, get exploded, roll around, get back up and start running. That's two. Yes. Yeah, I think I will count that as two, yes. Yes. Something interrupted the run. Yes. Yeah. So then he had to start running again. Yeah, yeah. So that, that would be a two. I'm going uh, yeah. three. This this fucked me last time because <laughs> you decided to run for like ten minutes, but then also there was random stoppages. It was weird. <laughs> I think he stopped because he saw a bunch of birds. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a John moves the great director. <laughs> Damn these birds! Uh, I'm going Andy, three. How many oh, times? I, I'm gonna run? I'm gonna completely reverse on him. I'm gonna go seven. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, I, this is just maybe just what I'm remembering is I remember a very big running scene in this movie. I don't know if he stops numerous times during it, but just because of that one scene, I'm gonna say like ten. Oh damn! Because <laughs> this this was like the first Mission Impossible for me with Tom Cruise, where I'm like, holy shit, that dude runs a lot. <laughs> like, and I I feel like it's a thing that's just a gag after that, but. Yeah, from from memory, I feel like there's a lot of running in this one specifically. Ian, you're on mute. You're on you're on mute. I can't tell if he's doing that on purpose or not. But <laughs> ten uninterrupted minutes of running. That's that's what you're going with. You're thinking ten and, interrupted minutes, and then a child yells extra extra, and he stops <laughs> to get the newspaper, and it says Ethan Hunt. <laughs> Is on burn notice. <laughs> that's how he finds out a fucking newspaper. That's, that's how he finds out. <laughs> that's how he finds out he got screwed in Mission Impossible One. And he's like, I'm going Rome. <laughs> oh god, I really in want Ra- Ian to write a Mission Impossible movie and just s- I, I want to see what that's like. <laughs> in Soviet Russia, newspaper <laughs> burn you. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say it's just this movie, but then I was like, oh, Brian hasn't seen that, so he doesn't know. <laughs> um, any other predictions we want to get out there before we watch the movie? Nothing? Good? Okay. All right, well, that's it. Uh, time for us to get to Mission Impossible 3. We're going to go watch the movie, so feel free to take a break, pause us, go watch along with us, or, you know, if you've done the homework and already watched the movie, then you're good. In that case, you can listen on. Either way, we are going to break for the movie. We'll be back after we finish it, and we will see you all on the other side. All right, so we are back after having finished Mission Impossible 3, and we've added Josh Zorch to our movie mission. Is it me, or am I just wearing a Josh mask? Oh, see, Ian's going to hate you already because you're already <laughs> digging on the masks and he hates that stuff with a burning passion. It's it's just lazy writing. <laughs> I mean, I'm digging on it. I just referenced it. Fair, fair. Um, all right, so it should be fairly obvious, uh, fairly obvious at this point, but I'm going to throw out the spoiler warning for Mission Impossible 3. So if you have not seen the movie from 2006 and do not want spoiled, pause this now, come back after doing your homework. Or if you know if you like to live dangerously and enjoy your spoilers, well, listen on because either way we're gonna talk some spoilers. So spoilers to follow. Wee you, wee you, spoiler. Wee you, wee you, spoiler. You know something like that. All right. Uh, I think every time we've we've started started to review them since Ian is the one who hasn't seen any of this stuff. That's usually where I like to start. So Ian, what did you think of the movie? Um, you know it's one of J.J. Abrams' better movies. I'll say that. Abrams. <laughs> Abrams? 
Abrams? I, I thought that's what you said. I thought you said Abrams. It's Abrams. J.J. Abrams. J.J. just doesn't know how to land the plane, and luckily he doesn't have to because this train keeps on rolling all the way to that big helicopter pad in the sky. Um, <laughs> it wasn't as tiring as some of the films we do, not as part of this series in general, but as a podcast as a whole. Like, for instance, the Turtles movies are just a fucking dog I knew, walk. I knew like, they just he was going to go on there. and on, and you never get them to slow down and get tired. They just keep making them. But th- this was enjoyable. It, it, from the John Woo one, where it's like, what are they going to do in this? Getting all excited about it, and then like it not being like Woo hard. This was a nice, <laughs> solid action flick. I still don't get why they kept making these, but like, I was like, oh, this <laughs> is fun. You know, but it's not like. Let's put a hundred million dollars into the next one, you know. <laughs> well, I think I think I did look up the the budgets for this too. I don't because we didn't talk about it beforehand. Um, so the budgets obviously keep increasing, and I don't, we, we're going to talk about the three that we've covered so far. Um, I'll try to remember to bring it up whenever we whenever we get to the other ones because I'm sure the budgets have skyrocketed considerably. Uh, Mission Impossible One budget was eighty million. Mission Impossible Two was one twenty five. Mission Impossible Three was one fifty. And I think, yeah, surprisingly, Mission Impossible 2, out of these three, Mission Impossible 2 has the most worldwide uh, box office numbers over the other two. First one, first one was budget was $80 million. It ended with $458 million. Uh, number two was $125 million budget, ended with $546 million worldwide. Mission Impossible 3 was 150 million budget, ended at 398 million worldwide. Huh. So that three, there's a gap between two and three, and I think there's a gap between three and four because I feel like mm-hmm. three was compared to the other two again the lowest uh, received for box office. It made the the least amount out of the other two. And had the highest budget. So if that's not going to say to the studio, we got to stop making these, or you know something is changing, that's that's what they're looking at. But yeah, like Ian said, it just they they keep going somehow, some way. And I think the the box office I would think has to get better over the next three. But we'll we'll look at that when we get there. I mean, how many movies was Kara Top in? And he's box office poison. <laughs> I I cannot answer that question. I have no idea. It was more than <laughs> I, one. I know of at least. Yeah, I know of at least one. Gentleman of the board? It's called chair. Yep. Chairman of the board. Damn it. <laughs> Chairman, yes. Yeah. And they spell board B-R-E-D. Because it was about surfing. Gotcha, gotcha. Hiring company. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Josh, coming into this, uh, yeah. this is your first Mission Impossible with us. What'd you think? Uh, well, so I This is a rewatch specifically... for you, by the way, too, right? Oh, oh yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah. Um... I specifically wanted to tag in on this one because not that I don't like four, five and six. I actually like six considerably. Um, But especially out of the first trilogy, I really, really like this one. I think this is the first time that they found their footing on some sort of formula to make these movies. Um, and as Ian said, I, aside from that, I think it is a pretty solid, good espionage action flick um, that uh, I think, you know, it, it moves. I didn't think there was many dull, slow parts or anything. Um, yeah. So 
uh, I, I just sort of share that quickly to say, like, when you proposed this and we we're like, oh, well, me and Mike are going to tag in on some of these and whatnot. Like, I specifically wanted to do number three, definitely. Yeah, I, I've, I have good fond feelings about it. Uh, Andy, this was, again, I think a rewatch for you, too, right? Correct. So what did you think after the rewatch for this one? Um, I think it solidified the fact that um, this movie was uh, my favorite out of the, the first three. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it uh, a lot of, I didn't remember a lot of stuff that happened in two when I rewatched it, but three, I was like, oh, and then, yep, then this happens. <laughs> you know, just like, it, as you watch it, you sort of remember it. Is this one of the ones you've watched more than, I guess, the other two that we watched? The first two? I would say probably. Uh, the first one, I probably watched more just because it was like, oh my god, Mission Impossible is a movie. This is incredible. <laughs> you know, just that whole spiel. Yeah. But um, I think three was more watchable than two by far. Yeah. Uh, Josh, do you remember the last time you watched three before this? Um. Well, I'll, I'll preface that by saying that I did not see a Mission Impossible mo Impossible movie in theaters until the most recent one, until Fallout in 2018. Every other one I caught like years later, once it was on cable streaming, rental something. Um, the last time I watched this one specifically was really early on in uh, COVID quarantine. Um. We had decided, like, those first two months, we, like, ran through the Mission Impossible movies, uh, the Nolan Batmans. That's when we kind of uh, ran the gamut and finished our James Bond film watch. Oh, all yeah. that. Um, so this was one of the franchises we put on. Where we were like, all right, we got to pass the time. Let's stick with, you know, a few of these and, and just and just kind of go through a few series. So that was the last time. So almost like two and a half-ish years ago, okay. probably. Now, before that, I'd only maybe seen it twice before that okay um, and yeah so i didn't see it in theaters i probably didn't see this for the first time if this was 2006 probably i don't know 2008 9 10 somewhere in there and then maybe yeah. one other time before 2020 okay um yeah this is obviously a rewatch for me too i this is i think like you guys were saying i think this, out of the three the first three this is one that i've rewatched probably mo more than the other two um i remember I feel like I probably did see this in theaters because uh, I know around the time like I was a big this is like I don't want to say like peak JJ time but I think when he really started to get recognized because like coming off of Lost and Alias and all the other TV shows and stuff he'd been involved in and this was his directorial debut for a movie was in charge of Mission Impossible so it was a guy that I liked from television directing a movie franchise that I really enjoyed from the past two movies and so it hit a, it hit a nice sweet spot for me, and I I think JJ did a very very good job with this movie. I I don't I'd have to, and maybe I'll have a better idea after we go through and watch all of them. But I feel like like ballparking like my top three Mission Impossible's. I think Rogue Nation's in there. I think Fallout's in there, and I think this is in there. I just don't know what order they fall, and maybe I'll have a better idea after rewatching all of them somewhat close to. I say somewhat close together because we're doing this every two months, so it's gonna be a while before we get to the other ones, but. It's this one was always at the top of my list for a while before some of the new, more recent ones, and I feel like it for whatever reason. Mission Impossible Three, I feel like it's a bad rap on the internet, and I feel like people have talked shit on this movie for a while, and I don't know why. I feel like I was always trying to go up to bat for this movie because I think it's a lot better than people think. 
But anyway, um, that's where I stand. Uh, for, I guess, Ian, with this movie, just like the two before it, we got a director change. So what did you think of J.J. Abrams' directorial debut compared to De Palma and John Woo? I mean, <clears throat> it was very clear he is inspired by John Woo because there were scenes that I'm like, oh, there were birds here. This is a John Woo film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it seemed fine. It, it didn't do anything like you were like, oh, man, no one's done this in film before. Even I think at the time in 2006, there wasn't anything like, oh, wow, I can't believe they did that. It was all, I feel like, standard action movie shots. Yeah. That, you know, was what I expected, I guess. It just it felt like a really safe movie from that, from a director perspective. Yeah, I guess I could agree to that. I, I mean, I think one of the criticisms, maybe one I guess could I could agree with kind of, is like it kind of just feels like a big budget TV movie. Like it, maybe just the way it's shot. Like I feel like you could see some of the stuff in on TV just with more budget. Um, but of course it's got like JJ's patented lens flare in a bunch of places, which I don't know. It felt like there was a lot of it in this movie. And I don't know if I was just looking for it or, or what, but... It definitely stood out to me this time. Uh, Andy, would you... I, Go ahead. I think the only time I noticed the lens flare was when Tom Cruise was trying to jump over the hole in the bridge. Okay. There... And then when they, when they were looking up through the hole, I, I saw like a little glare, you know? I, I think like, the, oh, okay. the whole like opening sequence when they're trying to raid the warehouse to get uh, rescue um, Lindsay, the, the IMF agent that's captured, Carrie Russell at the beginning. Yeah, there was lens flares all over that sequence, like outside the warehouse, inside the warehouse, in the helicopter, flying through the windmills, like everywhere. But uh, Andy, what'd you think of the the his direction for this one compared to the other two directors we've seen? I feel like this was a more cohesive story, and I feel like he did a better job of um, endearing you to Ethan Hunt's plight. Like, it was more of a personal thing instead of, like, I gotta do this thing that I don't really care about, but they told me to do it. Yeah. But he fell in love in the last yeah. one, and she was taken hostage by the bad guy. That was personal. And he hand-fucked that girl in the first one. That was real personal. <laughs> <laughs> still still not over that, are you? They, they orgasmed by holding hands. <laughs> uh, Josh, what did you think of uh, JJ's direction? I mean, if you look at it just on its own, uh, I, I I think it's good. Um, like I said, I, there, there's, I don't know, there's nothing, there's nothing about it that seems inconsistent or floundering. Um, I think if you compare this to the first of the series, there's, there's definitely a contrast there, but the first was, a, I mean, number one, it was a product of its its time, 10 years earlier. The way that movies were made, the way that, you know, they were designed, the way that costumes were designed, the way that colors were selected, the way that shots were set up. It was also trying to look a specific way. It was trying to look like an espionage spy movie with more like dark scenes and nighttime settings and uh you know foggy atmospheres and whatnot while at the same time also sort of reminding you hey guess what older audience remember that tv show you watched 30 years ago i'm gonna try to remind you of that while we're making this 
then we, I don't. Know, I think Mission Impossible Two is is my least favorite of all six because it doesn't seem to fit cohesively within the style of the consistency of the others, uh, the consistency of the characters, their choices, their personalities, their growth. Um, it just it's like the one that stands out. It it's not bad in in and of itself, but I don't know. I guess John Woo was making an espionage movie. Not that they really found their footing yet for John Woo to make a Mission Impossible movie. By the time okay. you get to this with JJ, I think I wouldn't be surprised if this is where, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn if this is where Tom Cruise starts to sink his claws in personally a bit more and become more personally invested in the development and direction and tone and really decisions. Um, I mean, to, to your point earlier about like budgets and how things keep getting, how do these keep getting made? Well, it's not in this case, it's probably not just quote the studio doing it. I mean, long ago, like it's now Tom Cruise's show and in his production oh, yeah. company. And like, basically they're just looking for financial partners and distributors. You know, they don't have to rely on a big overarching, uh, overlord studio executive team to give them the blessing to keep going and you know i i think there's something about this one that maybe retroactively when you see the next three you realize that this fits this is this is really like the beginning of everything much more than the first two are yeah yeah i agree i think and I think what Andy was saying too, like with a more personal story, I think I, I think that's maybe why I gravitate toward this one a lot. Cause I think as an audience, I think it gives us more, more stakes to care about. Like if, if you like Ethan Hunt, if you like Tom Cruise's character, then you're going to care more about him in this movie. I think because of the personal connection to Julia and giving him a wife and, you know, he's trying to get out of the game a little bit and now they're pulling him back in and all that stuff. So I, all that stuff works for me really well. And I think it's something that the other two Mission Impossibles, maybe they were trying to treat it almost like a James Bond where it's just like he gets a mission, does a thing, and then it's over. And then you just move on to the next one and you're fine. You could more or less watch those two out of sequence and it doesn't really matter which one you watch first. Like, to Josh's point, I think from now on, you have to sort of watch them in order to get some of the stuff that they're putting into the movies afterwards. So where, like, if you're, it, if you're, it, still, it still feels episodic, though. Um, to where yeah. they're like, yeah. it, it takes a long, long time for them to even start doing continuous storylines, but at least you see the character growth of some of the returning people from this point forward. I know like Ving Rhames has stuck around since the beginning, but it, it it's, it's not like you just like, it's not like, oh, you need this information from the, the first one, but the, you're, you are rewarded by the additional benefit that you get out of the character interactions by yeah. keeping with them from one to the next. And I do think this is the first one since we watched them out of the first three anyway, that uh, actually feels like Ethan is part of a team. Like it doesn't feel like the Ethan hunt show for a lot of the movie. He's with teammates that are capable and doing a mission together and they compliment each other. Well, and they do it a few times to, to hammer it home that look, this is a team effort and this is, this is fun this way with the team. Granted, like other movies, like the team kind of swaps around 
And I think we still kind of get that. There's a few returning characters, but there's still people that get subbed out for new actors or actresses and in, in upcoming movies and stuff too. So it's still a little bit difficult to get detached to the whole team, but I think I think the team dynamic is something they they try to play with. And like Josh said, I think it's part of the more or less part of the formula going forward too. I think they they make it a point to bring that stuff in for other movies because of this one. Let's go to, through some of our, I think, repeatable questions. And I think, uh, Josh, I think I, I told you some of the stuff we were looking for. What I should have done beforehand is asked you what your guesses were before trying to tally up whether we did this ah. or not. But we'll just go to your answers whenever we get there. Okay. Um, so before we get to like some of our tallies, I think, that we looked at, one of the other things I want to bring up every time we do this, uh, Ian, what did you think of the, uh, the cold open, which is the uh, – Interrogation scene with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Oh, you mean the the part that's the end of the movie? They put in the beginning yeah. of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole time I was like, he looks Philip Seymour Hoffman's character. It's like he looks like he's in a different movie. Like I don't know what <laughs> it was. As like he just does, seems out of place here. It was really confusing to me because I was like, this guy's in a different movie. Not like Philip Seymour Hoffman, <laughs> but his character specifically, like that very specific look. I'm like. He's in another movie, a better movie. I don't know what it is. So you're saying like Philip Seymour Hoffman played another character that looked like that guy? I don't know, but that that guy should have been in a different film. It just it didn't feel <laughs> right, and I didn't appreciate it. I didn't like Tom Foolery Tom messing around when his wife's about to be shot. I thought that was disrespectful to their relationship. Um, I mean, messing around what are you talking well, about he's trying to like he's trying to talk his way out of it and not just answering questions he's like pretending he's all confused and shit when he knows the answers you know he's lying about paris and shit like just tell the man where his rabbit's foot is god damn it <laughs> but i think like you see him go through like every scenario in which he's trying a different tactic for every basically countdown number yeah i know he's go he's reading the handbook out loud to everyone and it's annoying you don't just read the handbook out loud to everyone. Okay. <laughs> you just like I get he's a trainer the, now, the but I thought <laughs> I thought maybe he, you know he had a little intuition where he could think outside the box, you know, maybe make it a little dangerous, you know, fly into the danger zone. No, he follows the fucking manual, <laughs> even though he went rogue five minutes later. All right, I don't agree with most of that, but Andy, what do you think of the cold open? <laughs> He's he's an instructor now. He knows that book real well. That's the problem. So. <laughs> but I also um, feel like I, if you just get... He literally just got drugged right before that. He wakes up and he's strapped to a chair. His wife is at gunpoint in front of him. And then you ask him to try to think clearly and come up with how to talk his way out of it. I completely buy everything about that scene. Okay, so we're going to tie you up. Literally you. anything. Yeah. Like Andy he's said, he's... Try going through Literally. whatever he possibly can. He tells him the truth, he doesn't buy it. He tells him a lie, he doesn't buy it. He tries to make shit up, he doesn't buy it. Tries to reason with the guy, doesn't go. It's just like, he th okay. He threatens him, like, yeah. he, he goes through the whole arc, yeah. But, Andy, go ahead, sorry. I typically don't care for, like, these, these like, glass windows into the start of, like, the final acts of movies. Because I already know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's it's almost like when you're watching... <clears throat> it's almost like watching, like, the prequel Star Wars movies. You know that Anakin Skywalker is going to be at a certain place at the end of the, the trilogy, you know? It's like, I know where Tom Cruise, Philip Seymour Hoffman, and his wife are going to be. 
when the start of the third act happens. Yeah. You know? It's like most Tarantino. I, I, I just... <laughs> yeah, I just... That, that, that style of storytelling just... That's a very intense. That's a very intense scene, and I feel like it it loses its luster with me having no backstory to it. But when you see it again, I feel like the intensity is like is is tilted up. So I feel like they could have just sort of done away with that and given us, you know, Tom Cruise climbing a mountain for a while. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm kind of with you because I think like. That's a yeah a pet peeve of mine for like movies and TV show where they give you a scene and then they like something happens and they go twenty four hours earlier and then you're like yeah, oh come on yeah it's a cop out to me yeah I mean, just I I don't really care for it and ninety percent of the time I agree with you this movie for whatever reason gets the exception for me I think this opens so fucking good that I'm just like in it from the get and I and like you said it takes it away a little bit from the third act like just getting there organically and then you get to that scene but. Otherwise, we open the movie with, like, Ethan at a party, like, trying to smooch and and uh, get to know, like, Julia's family and stuff like that, where it's like, okay, I don't know if I'm, if that's a big enough hook. Like, no, they could have done, they could have done a Lindsay training montage to start them. Maybe, them. yeah, I, yeah, there's probably ways around it, but given what we got in the movie, I think it's just, it's a, I don't know, it's also, a really good way it's to It's a open, movie, Brian, it's not, you can't just, like, flick the channel, they don't have to grab you right away. <laughs> I, I think good movies have a way to grab you right away. I think yeah, it's called. Uh, granted, it starts off with by J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think there are some movies that yes work well as like a slow burn and stuff like that. But I think uh, for action movies especially, I think you want to grab somebody that are like early on in the movie when it starts within the first five or ten minutes, so they sort of hopefully anyway stick around and are and are on the edge of their seat the whole time. Which I think this movie for the most part, successfully does. So you stayed on the edge of your seat at the party because of this opening scene? At the, well, okay, so it slows down a little bit the party, but a little, I think it works The party scene well literally exists to let us know Tom Cruise can read lips. Yes. I fucking hate it. You know what? I, I don't think I like this movie now that I'm talking about it. <laughs> uh, Josh, cold open, what would you think? Um, I, I I can go either way. I think it, it, it the, the I think that uh not plot device but that 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 device to use storytelling that way i think it's hit or miss it depends on the execution um i don't i i i don't generally dislike it i don't always root for it but if you do it well then it works i think the fun thing here and i'm with you i think the reason it works for me on this one is you start it's a very intense scene and it's not immediately yeah. quick. It takes a little bit to go through that countdown and to, to, to really understand where these two stand and, and sort of what's at stake immediately. It's also a nice, in my, in my eyes, is a nice departure for these movies, which typically open with a very over-the-top, uh, big stunt action scene ending in something that um is really kind of inconsequential to the rest of the movie it's just like a fun like oh this was also part of one of those impossible missions yeah and it's for funsies and it it, it it's, it's sort of like a lot of james bond openings can be like a thing happens but it's not going to really have much to do with the rest of what you're going to see and then it moves on. I like that they just kind of drop you right in the middle of something in this. And in in, in in the particular scene that they chose, I think that's why it works. I think that the 
the thing that hinges on execution is, am I left curious and do I really care about how we get back there? And and what I want to know, oh, okay, so he's captured, he's restrained, he's groggy. This guy wants something. He has somebody he cares about. Um, he's willing to kill him for it. Tom Cruise is willing to try to stall to to deal with that person's life. So it must be something pretty high stakes. So everything that we're going to go backwards and build up to, I want to know how we got there. And if you do it well, then then it's successful and it works. Yeah. Just in general. And for me, it worked this time. I think like up until this point, like even when I probably when I first saw the movie too, like I don't think I've really seen Philip Seymour Hoffman in a lot of stuff. So seeing him in this role and just like being just such a, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know how to describe his villain, but he's just like very calm and like, doesn't feel like he's really other than like the couple times in the, the opening sequence. And he's really like shouting and yelling at Ethan. Like you don't really see him raise his temper. He's just very even keel. And like, calm the whole time which in some ways is really scary for a villain like he just seems like he's fine and has everything under control it doesn't matter he's gonna make it work so i i don't know the role for him i thought was really really good well that's because he's a villain that doesn't like do any of the action stuff yeah he's not meant to be physically on par with tom cruise and like spar with ethan the whole time it's much more of like a cerebral villain he's so amoral that nothing about what he's going to do bothers him yeah yeah it's it's it, it, it's it's a literal psychopath like it's it's beyond sociopath he doesn't get worked up because he also has the confidence like when he's captured and that 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 moment that i just loved that like really sells almost the whole movie for me where ethan has him strapped there and he goes through the whole thing of do you have a wife or a girlfriend <laughs> I'm gonna find her. I'm gonna hurt her. He's so s- assured in what is yeah. gonna happen, and he's not—he's not scared about necessarily being hurt. Like he probably is, but he's probably so confident that he's gonna be rescued, that things are gonna go his way, and he has no qualms or hesitations whatsoever about the bad things he'll do to anybody. Right. And his his lack, uh, literal lack, and absence of morality is what makes it so unsettling. Yeah. Um, well, let's spin there. What, uh, Andy, what do you think of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's villain compared to uh, the previous two villains in the movie? So we had Jim Phelps and Sean Ambrose in the first and second. Oh, I just... I, <laughs> he, wins, <laughs> he wins the first place prize out of the three movies very <laughs> easily. Let's just say that, yeah. Yeah, he, I think I, know, agree. I agree. He's Usain Bolt, and you got a couple <laughs> of, you know, like sumo wrestlers wrestling behind him. So <laughs> it's it's pretty bad. I mean, he's so intense in this movie, but like like his his calm demeanor, like you said, just is so off putting and offsetting. And he's so vicious without being like physically imposing that that he he really gets you. He really makes what like the, the the watchers believe that he's going to accomplish whatever he needs to accomplish yeah he's not like the maniacal like mustache twirling villain he's just like i'm gonna do this and uh i'm so calm and collected about it you're gonna believe me like it doesn't matter 
Um, Ian, what do you think of his villain? Yeah, he's, he's good. It's just, like I said, he felt out of place purely look-wise. I'm like, this is a different guy. This is some, <laughs> some other guy. But, you know, I, I like the character he, you know, delivered on his threats. Um, okay. He didn't seem shaken up about getting flipped over in a prison car thing, truck, transport. You know, that didn't seem to bother him too much. His hair was yeah. a little tussled, but, you know, he didn't cry. <laughs> It was, you know, it was fun to have a villain that, like, never actually, you have to worry about him choreographing a fight scene between him and Tom. Yeah. Uh, Josh, anything to add for Philip Seymour Hoffman's villain? No, I think I hit everything. Okay. Um, Another repeatable question that I usually like to direct at Andy. Andy, what is the villain's plan? The villain's plan? Yeah, what what is Owen Davian's plan in this movie? Uh, his plan is to, I, I believe his plan is to make a whole lot of money. I think that's correct. Because, right, he's just getting the rabbit's foot and then selling it, right? That's pretty much he, he's, it. He's like the intermediary. Like, he, he obtains the black market goods and then he sells them to the highest bidder who wants black market goods. Okay, yeah, the radar type stuff. Yeah, that sounds right. I should really write down the like if there's a correct answer to these. I should really actually write down the answer. I'm trying to pull this from memory whenever I ask the question. But isn't the well, real villain Musgrave? I, I don't think the I don't think they really you know put any other kind of motivation for him up on there. I guess to Ian's point, we could actually throw in like what is Musgrave's plan? Because he, I guess, at least if not, I don't know if he'd supersede like Philip Seymour Hoffman's Owen Davian, but he's definitely working with him. To the point where he probably has his own agenda. And honestly, I have no fucking clue what it is. It seems yeah, to just to... have Tom Cruise do stuff, but not his too well. <laughs> like, no, so he has this whole speech about like, well, he has a whole speech about like patriotism, like trying to use Davian to grab other uh, criminals. So no, he'll, right? He's uh, he's he's trying to puppeteer things. So he's using. What Davian does, which is give bad people bad things, to let bad people get bad things, so that he can use his own country to have an excuse to go after bad people with the bad things. Okay. He's yeah, using Davian right. as as the means to the end of that okay. goal. Yeah. So a puppeteer with strings on his wrist. Got it. <laughs> I feel like he's going down that um, slippery slope that people who try to use the little bads to go after the big bads yeah. sort of mm-hmm. go into where eventually they're just part of it. It's like how the ends justify the means type of thing. Or like how there's yeah. only a bunch of villains in Gotham City and not other cities because there's a guy <laughs> flying around at night just like a bat attracting <laughs> all the fucking weirdos. <laughs> so you're saying Ethan Hunt's Batman. Batman has a least doesn't use his government name when he's out on missions. <laughs> uh, favorite IMF handler slash director. So we've had Kittrich, Anthony Hopkins, which I don't know if he ever actually had a name in that movie. And we have Lawrence Fishburne's um, Brassel. Something Brassel. <laughs> Theodore. Is it? Yeah. Are you making that up? I'm on IMDb, brother. <laughs> okay. I got right. I got to look up these characters. It didn't somehow. it didn't sound like it fit, but all right. Well, we'll maybe it was it. maybe they called him Theo. Did they call him Big Theo? They always just call him Brassels. They never Brassley. call him Theo. <laughs> uh Andy, which one do you which one's your favorite out of the three that we've seen? 
Oh, definitely Lawrence Fishburne. Okay. But I have a couple of notes about him uh, written down, and one is Morpheus is a dick. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he does. He, he he seems like he's the one like mm-hmm. that is... That's Neo. The antagonist. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then I also have Morpheus confirms Ethan went rogue. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think... I think his his character arc is is one where you think he's the one sort of behind being the the puppeteer, yeah, and eventually get into um, seeing that he is actually the one that's sort of on the side of good and not the either. Yeah, did that misdirection work for you? Like, I liked it. Okay, yeah. I mean, I don't think they did anything to you know like not make you think that though. You know what I mean? There wasn't anything where, like, oh, he's not, at, you know, there was no clues pointing the other direction. Right. So it's more yeah, like they just only, lied to you, you know? The only hint, kind of, like, yeah. if you really want to split hairs at the dialogue, is when, when Lindsay's message plays for Ethan, she says the call came from Brassel's office. She doesn't say Brassel made the call, like, I've recorded him making the call. It just came from his yeah. office. So someone used his phone. So it doesn't have to be him if you're splitting the hairs of the dialogue. Oh, I didn't think it meant his literal office. I thought, like, his, like department like or jerk kind of shit oh yeah i i guess i took it to me in his actual like office desk like okay. it, she traced yeah, it like back to his extension. his specific desk yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. uh <laughs> you can't see the science uh, i'm making a motion You're like big room <laughs> a lot of people in it. uh ian which which imf handler is your favorite it's Lawrence fishburne he's the okay. best actor they've had in the role <laughs> uh josh which one? I'll make it unanimous just because I literally can't recall the other two <laughs> doing it right now. So Yeah, I guess you didn't have to rewatch the first two before this, so Yeah. Anthony Hopkins from memory here. like talked about stuff while drinking whiskey in some rundown like farmhouse kind of thing, if I remember right. Felt it's like off. a castle or something. Was he in the castle? It was run down was either castle. way. Yeah. Felt weird. It was castle ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, Fishborn's my favorite. I think he has some of the best lines of dialogue in this movie. I, I think they're very quippy and like it's it's a lot of them are f- just really funny too. They make me laugh. Like the one where he's like asking questions and then uh, Musgrave tries to interrupt him and he says don't 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 interrupt me when I'm asking rhetorical questions. Like that was great. Like the <laughs> I have so many quotable lines from him that those are the ones I remember and I really enjoy and. I yeah, I'd really love to see him in other movies, and it's set. Spoiler alert: we only get him for one, and this is it. And I really, really want to see him for other ones. I want him to come back so bad. I enjoyed his quote about uh, him bleeding on the American flag to make bleeding sure on the stripes to stay red. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed that quote too. Yeah, I know there's other ones, and I can't think of them off the top of my head. But he has some, he has some good ones. Um, favorite action sequence in this one. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you. Any any favorites that stand out to you? Um, I always, you know, if I don't watch this for several years and I don't remember a lot of specifics that happen, um, going all the way back to even honestly seeing like TV previews for this 16 years ago, I can tell you that that missile blows up on the bridge as Tom Cruise is running toward the camera away from it and he gets blown in you know sideways into that car um yeah so that sticks with me so in general that I was a trailer moment for sure oh but yeah 
I mean, it still works even as it plays out in the movie. Um, so I'd say like the entire like rescue Owen bridge chase, like the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Andy, any action sequences stick out to you? I enjoyed the uh, the the fulcrum stealing of the rabbit's foot. Oh, swinging on the the cord over to the building to building. Cord, yeah, and then and then all of a sudden he's jumping out a window with a parachute. And yeah, thought that was cool. Okay, uh, Ian, so anyone for you? In this movie, they um basically illegally extradite someone from China. And they did that much better in uh, The Dark Knight, so that is not my pick. <laughs> um, so when they're going to, like, rescue the lady, what's her name? Lindsay? Lindsay, And they yeah. got, like, the auto turret set up, and shit's just kind of happening. Like, there's just a <laughs> lot going on. There's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of counting. There's a lot of rolling. There's a... Uh, they rip... The crank rips them off when they do the adrenaline bit. Um... <laughs> It was just fun that I liked the uh, basically attacking the building, but reverse diehard where it's just like, we're going to just use all these guns instead of like <laughs> one guy sneaking around through the vents. It's like, this is going to be as loud as fucking possible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I There's something about that sequence. That's the one I always remember in this movie is the warehouse raid at the beginning. Just Luther in, a, in his truck with his trackball 50 cal machine guns just blowing the shit out of that thing. I fucking love it. I don't know why. It's It's so great. <laughs> <laughs> so question about that scene why did the keyboards have to raise uh to arm the guns i don't know but all of his keyboards went yeah if i just take it to me like, like okay they're online now you, uh, you can shoot them now okay he needed raise keyboards for this you know like <laughs> safety's off kind of kind of thing um all right so some of our our numbered stuff that we asked before uh so We'll start with uh, how many mass gags there will be. So before we in the in the preview uh, pre movie recording, uh, Ian thought we we're going to see seven masks. Uh, Andy said three. I said four. Josh, I never got a number from you, but we'll just get your answer. So what did how many mask gags did you uh, tally up, Josh? So I think it depends on how you look at it. Uh, used used by Ethan's team, only one. But if you count basically ripping the technology off and using it elsewhere, then I, there's a second one that Philip Seymour Hoffman uses, that Owen uses. So I yeah. count two. Two was my count, too. Andy, Ian, you guys agree with two? I think count, yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> All right, well, I think the three of us are saying two, so I think we... To be honest, I didn't even watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so at least guessing-wise, Andy was closest, I think, there. Um. All right. The other one. Does Ethan go rogue? Ian said yes. Andy said yes. I said yes. Josh, I'm assuming I, would have said yes. <laughs> yeah. I. I mean, other than the one movie that is called Rogue Nation that's coming up. I mean, he he might go the most rogue, the most number of times in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He does go off the rails a couple times. Yes. What I enjoyed about this one in in the Going Rogue is he actually um, in <laughs> has volunteers to help him go rogue with his team yeah. who who show up in Shanghai and and help him go rogue and uh, made Simon Pegg involuntarily <laughs> go rogue for him <laughs> to help him track that other like his wife's cell phone. True. Yeah. So like other people sort of this is the first 
the first out of the three where he's not the only one that's going rogue. He has accomplices now. Yes. Yeah. And that goes back to the whole team aspect. Like, the, they're really leaning hard on, the, hard on the team on this one, and I like it. Yeah. Uh, all right, so probably the big one. How many times does Tom Cruise run in this movie? Uh, Andy Ge- or sorry, Ian guessed three. Andy guessed seven. I went for what I thought was a big number in ten. <laughs> I tallied up. Wait, let me count my tallies. One, two. Did you do this beforehand? Can't answer because he's counting. I, yeah, I counted 19, and I think I missed some because I think I was so oh, into that shit, warehouse dude. sequence at the beginning that I just, like, forgot to tally them up. So I think it's over 20, but I don't have a final tally for this. <laughs> I got I was 22. Trying... Oh, my God. Okay. I'm way, like, I was trying to follow <laughs> the rules you guys have laid out in the first two episodes. I only got six. Okay. And, and one of them, he literally ran up a wall. That was the first one. He runs out no, he runs no, the he ran the Vatican so many times the, before that. With the grappling hook. That like, was the first one that I wrote down. No, no, that was like number 15. Yeah, he was up there. Because <laughs> oh, right. you figure the whole like setup in the warehouse sequence, he's running to Luther, stops, that's yep. one. And then he runs from Luther towards the warehouse, that's two. Yep. Uh, okay. I, mean, I think, I think <laughs> you guys If he were stopped the act like, of running, it was, it yeah. was not like they switched the scene or did a camera cut. He physically stopped running and is doing something else. And then it started running again. Any start and, and I, stop, that's one. So I, so I will say, I, granted, I apparently didn't write anything down for the warehouse scene. But <laughs> okay. it sounds like if I did, I wouldn't have been splitting the hair that badly. But, yeah. I, I mean, point taken. So you got some. You, got, you have to keep an eye out for that one when you get to five and six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I'll have to be more on the more on the ball to actually pay attention because I was like I said I was too invested in that action sequence when I was watching it and then it finished and I was like I started writing like tallying up halfway through the movie and then I was like fuck I realized how many tallies I had and I'm like I didn't pay attention at all during the warehouse sequence and I know he was running <laughs> there was yeah there was a good amount of running there 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 were a couple of scenes where I was like ooh count it count it I'm gonna keep that yeah one. yeah yeah there was some I think I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And I think some of the warehouse, like when he's inside the building, I think it's more of a fast walk. I don't know if they're running a lot when they're inside. And 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 let's 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 give some props to a really cool, a very well shot scene in my opinion is him running in Shanghai to go save. Oh yeah, the her. tracking shot of him just running. Yeah, yeah, that was so cool. The only reason yeah. I made the movie, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> it's like that shot alone is like a good twenty seconds, like. Oh yeah, just, and, and he is like full out he is, yeah. the whole time. It's knife hands, crazy. knife hands, knife hands, knife hands. Yeah, he's going for yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> filmed it twenty times, <laughs> probably. Uh, one of the ones I think we added for one of the past episodes was there a helicopter used in a mission ba- mission related scenario? Uh, Ian said yes. Andy said yes. I said yes. Josh, what is your answer for this one? All right, I was at least paying attention to this during the warehouse scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that should be pretty um, so obvious, there, yeah. And I think from, again, this is sort of like a who is using it perspective. So for the for the good guys, that was the only one that I included. However, if you include the bad guys using one to break out Owen and take him off the bridge, then that's another one. Yeah, I guess we didn't really tally those. We just It's more of a yes or no answer, I think, with what we were going with. Because I really yes. don't think they're, like, they're not going to show up as often as he runs. So it's like... <laughs> I think it's easier just to go yes or no. 
did did anybody else feel like that that like helicopter scene through the windmills was sort of like bloated and slow? A little bit, a little bit. They're just trying yeah. to like, I don't know, keep you occupied while they're trying to just charge up a defibrillator. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just it seemed like look over I'm here like, while this thing is going on over here. Yeah, it, like I I didn't feel like the stakes were that dire. With the helicopters, I felt like the stakes with Lindsay were dying. Yes, yeah. But the helicopters like didn't didn't really. They didn't yeah, spend like the, enough time on like the helicopter action compared to someone's probably dying here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like the the dog fighting of the helicopters among the windmills was was a little lost. And he's like, yeah. give yeah. me fifteen yeah. years, I'll fix it. <laughs> <laughs> we're all on a f- 15, 15 year time scales with most of. Ian's life goals. <laughs> uh, I think the last repeatable I have is, does Tom Cruise ride a motorcycle? Uh, Ian said yes. Andy said no. I said no. Uh, Andy and I were wrong. So <laughs> yes. yes, he Josh, does. Josh, I'm assuming you, you said yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. In true Top Gun style. <laughs> yeah, right down in the airport, right <laughs> hitting the runway. Yeah. Because like I I can picture other Mission Impossible's where there's a motorcycle featured in some sort of chase or action sequence, and that was not popping into my head for this movie. So I was like, oh, he doesn't ride one. It's fine. There's no action sequence revolved around a motorcycle, so he doesn't have it. So we may have to like tweak this question, like we did with the helicopter, where it has to be used in like a. No, this is just that's Tom specific. Cruise on a motorcycle. That, that's, <laughs> oh, the, that's the bit. Is that it's Tom Cruise is like, I want to ride one of my motorcycles. So I'm riding it, fucking film it, throw it in the can. Good. <laughs> Check. All right, so we'll just keep it yes or no for that one. We can narrow it down. Tom Cruise specifically rides a motorcycle. You know, we need to get well, that, that's what that. it is. Yeah, Tom does Tom so Cruise ride a motorcycle? Okay. Yeah, that's the question. Not yep. off into the sunset, not on a mission. He's just fucking broom, broom. Not with a soundtrack uh, song playing behind him. The only, the only thing I'll say is a Tron bike doesn't count. But only if they're physically in Tron. If they're of a replica Tron bike in the real world, it counts. Oh my god, that's like if if Mission Impossible crosses over with Tron at some point, I'm done. I'm dead. Like this, that's is my perfect movie right there. Like, well, once Disney and or Meta owns both properties. <laughs> and, and you have to you have to bring back Daft Punk. Oh fuck that yeah! Would be bad. Fuck ass. yeah! So you gotta get well. You gotta get Daft Punk back together first. Yeah, get them out of retirement. Well, yeah, that's and, what I mean. Yeah. Well, I mean Disney has they can just they can just. I don't. How do you know, how do you tap robots? They can have a container ship. <laughs> they can have a container ship full of money. Just pull up. Robots don't need money, Andy. <laughs> <you> Come on. <laughs> oil cpu chips i don't fucking know like maybe that's maybe that's why i have a cpu ship shortage all to pay daft punk it's being used as sustenance for (laughs) it's probably like just like a really big vacuum tube is what they do cybernetic organisms Uh, all right, so back to Mission Impossible here. So <laughs> I don't know. I kind of let's do a Daft Punk episode, <laughs> but like fake lore. Um, one other question I'd written down that we must have brought up in a previous Mission Impossible movie, and I'm not quite sure why or what this is a reference to. But the any, were there any unexpected cameos for anybody in this movie? Anybody pop up that you're like, where the fuck did they come from, and why are you here? Oh, um, I feel like that might have been from Anthony Hopkins in the last one. I don't know. I, mean, I don't re- remember us ever talking about this, but. It's. I wasn't expecting okay. Simon Pegg to be in it already. I figured I had okay. like another three. All right, I'll take that. Yeah, we were debating Andy, anything from you? that as it, as oh, it started. 
that's it just real quick because it yeah relates to simon we were debating that as it started like does he start in this or does does he i, I couldn't tell remember if he started in um is what's next ghost protocol or rogue nation ghost protocol is next yeah ghost yeah i didn't know if, it, if he started in this or that one but other than that no uh, my answer is no okay any for you andy I swear to God that one of the guys that lost one of his body parts from the original Mummy movie got shot by Tom Cruise in the warehouse scene. <coughs> one of those gunslinger dudes. Oh. Remember the gunslingers that one lost the tongue, one lost yeah, his eyes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Swear to oh, God, one man. of them shows up, pops up with a gun, and then Tom Cruise goes around the corner and goes, blam, dead. <laughs> and then that's like the only time you fucking see him. It was the, it was the blonde guy. Off the, off the, we have to IMDb that it and check. Well oh, that's, you know, be. that reminds me why the cameo question is here because that one dude from, um, um, that was in, uh, oh, god damn it, fuck, he was in Prison Break and, uh, and, and, uh, one of the Blade movies, Blade 3, right? He was one of the dudes at the, the sequence in Mission Impossible 2 when, when Tom Cruise was trying to get the vials, he was one of the henchmen that gets shot. I think Andy was the one to point that out. <laughs> That's what it was. When you talked about henchmen getting shot, I was like, oh, that's why it's here. That's why we put that question in. I remember now. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, all right. So that's all the, the questions we usually run through that I've got. Uh, any other last minute stuff you guys want to talk about for the movie that we didn't cover? Um, so I don't know how. I feel like this guy should be in stuff that Jonathan Myers, because his IMDb picture is him doing like probably the best blue steel outside of... Um, <laughs> the movie that it's from so like uh, he had a really nice irish accent uh, and nice i did see he was in a tv miniseries where he played elvis so it's like oh he could if they would have oh, done a big okay. time elvis you know i don't know how much he looks like elvis now but i could see he looks <laughs> he looks like the guy that played elvis in the new elvis movie that came out and i feel like he should be in more stuff based on that alone i feel like he has been in stuff it's just nothing i've seen Sarah right, like his IMDb has got to be decent. Uh, Yakuza yeah, she, Princess, we, uh, we good neighbor. He was in. He was on that uh, Tudor show for a couple seasons, on mm-hmm. like okay. Showtime or HBO or something. But um, well, he, he was King Henry the Eighth. Uh, yeah, uh, but kind he, of a, he's had he some king. troubled personal occurrences. Oh damn uh, it! For, okay. for that might so cut years. this. Cut all this, Brian. I'm not getting canceled for this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, more, not not more like, uh, like horrible society stuff. Just Alcoholism, like per, per, personal thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in twenty twenty, so. he crashed his car in Malibu, California. That too. He said things. <laughs> uh, Josh, anything else you want to add for the movie? Yeah, two two quick notes. Um, speaking of that warehouse rescue sequence, um. There's a point at which some of their equipment scans a body that it then says, uh, yes, we can confirm, we can identify that that is indeed our agent Lindsay based on a vascular ID confirmed. This is the and first Sarah time I've actually noticed says, that watching the movie. Bullshit. Yeah, th- I, <laughs> I never noticed that until this rewatch. And it comes up so quickly and then disappears that it's like they don't even want you to think about it that hard. They just want to see, oh, I, <laughs> nope. I identified this, and then move on. Yep, like that. They had they, like... had a, they had a scan of an individual's. They had technology 
to be able to to view and scan and store and then recognize a specific individual's nervous system. Yeah. We're we we don't know if we can buy that. With just like an infrared scan it looked like. Yes. I mean, if uh, anyone's going to have it, it's going to be the impossible mission force. <laughs> force. <laughs> yeah. Um, the last thing I said, and actually, I guess it should have come up during the director talk. Um, there's a part right before Tom has to go back out. I think it's before before Ethan has to go back out. I think it's after Lindsay dies, but he goes to see his wife at the uh, hospital. And I forget if maybe it is like when they then like decide like, okay, let's go get married. But they go up to like the roof or they go outside or something and they're talking. Yeah. Um, For like a good minute and a half, at least, there is no ambient sound that is occurring as they speak to each other. There's not the wind outside. There's <laughs> no sound of vehicles, voices. Like, the world shut off. Like, it got muted. And it's really unnatural, and I think probably a bad editing mistake. Um, I, I don't think it's correct, and it looks really weird. But I just wanted to point See, out. See, I think it's purposeful, and only because I think it's meant to be, like, that personal scene where it's, like, just the two of them kind of exist in that moment, so you're not meant to hear everything else. But I also think they both kind of whisper all their lines there that I think if you had background noise, you probably wouldn't hear what they're saying. So they just maybe just took the easy way out and took all that shit out. Just like I JJ always that's does. Correct. Yeah. I think your, I think your first try was much more generous. I, I think <laughs> the, the, the second explanation is probably more accurate. I mean, I think there is like a little bit of music playing there too. Isn't there? Is there, I maybe feel like very there, it low, can't be just dead score. silent. It, and watch it again, man. I'm telling you it's, it's, all it's, right. It stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Um, I think thinking back, actually, too, one of the other director things for me is my one of my pet peeves for directing is shaky cam shit, and there's just some random shaky cam shit in this movie that, like, half the time I don't notice it, I think, because it happens so often, but I feel like it happens a lot, and for just scenes when I don't think it should be there, and it still kind of pulls me out of it in certain places, but, God... Like the the rest of the movie's good enough for me that I think I I forgive it, but it's not my favorite shit. I don't know. I just I wish people would just especially for an action movie, just like let the camera do the work. Just put people in camera doing action shit and just let it happen. Like I don't need all this shaky cam crap. But anyway, that's me. Uh Andy, you got anything else to add? Yeah. Um so when he's about to do the fulcrum, he does like a full on like physics formula on 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 the board there. Like this is the first time I think we ever see that he's actually somewhat of like I don't know if you'd want to call him a genius or um what's what's the term for people that are exceptionally good at the, like a the savant theory. or something. Yeah, a savant or something. Yeah. Because he's just like, yeah, the dude does math. It'll work. And you're like, whoa, it's formulas that I don't have stored in my mind. So more power to him. Yeah, that's 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 a thing that I think that that's that's the first time in this series. They show you that he 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 doesn't just guess that he can do it. He did the fucking math like he. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that is a fun little thing. Yeah. Did you like like that? Like he he swings from the one building like to the other building. 
Did you prefer yeah. Fast and Furious when they do it, but he's in a car and the car jumps into another building? Because I did. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't. And maybe that's where our movie tastes separate because it's fine in Fast and Furious. I get what they're doing. But if I'm picking one or the other, I think the Mission Impossible one's cooler. They jumped the car from one spoilers, building. Spoilers, I I, I, yet. You'll never get there. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's not one that we watched. I think that's seven. And we stopped at six, I think. Yeah. Ball's been in your court for over a year. That's up to you. Yeah, we're fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> what, would you have to watch Chucky next? Yeah, it's it's more like, one, for for the, for the payoff of Josh probably ha- watching a movie he's going to hate anyway, and then for me watching a movie that I'm probably going to hate anyway, like, it's not worth it. Like, I'd rather just watch other stuff. <laughs> Uh, all right, so I think it's time we'll get to our ratings out of 10. Oh, unless Andy got something else. One more thing is I I thought that it was a pretty big cop-out that we never actually got to figure out what the hell the rabbit's foot was. Well, I guess that's more the uh, the JJ thing, right? Of the, the mystery box that never gets answered. Yeah. Which I kind of understand, like, spinning it the other way. Like, it's not really central to the story like it's just a MacGuffin yeah. that they need to collect but you technically don't need to know what it does because the story is revolves around Ethan's personal life so I understand yeah. why it's never answered I get it but I think I can I, I can live with it I honestly and I don't know if I'm like subconsciously giving this movie more passes than I should or it deserves but because I never I never really see that done anywhere else the 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 knowledge of what the horrible thing is is used to manipulate and plays into the emotional degree to which you're supposed to get invested in these things that's that's part of the recipe to to build how much they want you to care the fact that they just go into this and just like we look you just have to accept it's a terrible thing it's a yeah. bad thing enough that we're trying to get away I, I, I maybe if it was something that was overdone in many other places, I would think it was a cop out, but it didn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. The best explanation we get to it is Simon Pegg's just speculatory. This is my best guess. Yeah, and that's it. Yeah, anti god. I think. You yeah, really yeah. Um, that was the only other thing. Okay. I'm sorry. All right, so we'll get to our ratings and we'll close it down. So out of 10, and yes, in case uh, Andy or Ian, in case you guys are curious, I did go back and listen to the past two episodes and have your ratings for the other two movies if you need to know. Thank, thank God, because I do not remember. <laughs> Might as well just Do you want me it. to run down the other ones Might before as, we get to this one? Might as well. If you don't mind, it would help, it would help me. Okay, Andy, for Mission Impossible 1, you gave it a 6.5. For Mission Impossible 2, you gave it a 5. Okay. Ian, Mission Impossible 1 was a 5. Mission, I, so, I wrote down both of these. I think I know which one you're going to go with. But Mission Impossible 2, it, during the recording, you had said, I'm just going to give it a half a point higher than the last one, which I didn't know what that score was at the time. So I just like, fuck you, I'm moving on. When I asked you again that episode, you actually gave me a rating. So your half a point higher for Mission Impossible 2 would have been 5.5. But when I asked you a second time, you said 6.3. So we're going with 6.3, I think, for Mission Impossible 2 for you? Sure. Or, okay. or are we? I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can I can definitively solve this right now and put in what you want. Five point five or six point three for Mission Impossible Two. Do you want to? Do you? you this is your free reign to change 5. if you want. One 9, or the other. Because that's the average of the two scores. Okay, I'll I'll accept that. 
All right, so Ian, Mission Impossible 1 was a 5. Mission Impossible 2, 5.9. Real barn burner series for me. <laughs> um, looks like I gave Mission Impossible 1 7.5, Mission Impossible 2 a 4. Jeez. What? In what yep. world? That The world we live in. That's my ratings. Fuck you. No, this is that alternate <laughs> world where the Turtles movies are good. <laughs> that, that is our world. What are you talking about? You're still talking one. about the same place. <sighs> uh, sadly, Josh, you don't have ratings for the other two, so you get nothing to go on. So you have free reign for Mission no Impossible problem. 3. I can do it. We're good. Um, so uh, I'm going to pick on Ian first. What is your What is your rating for Mission Impossible 3? Five and a half. Okay. So right in the middle between the two. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, Andy, what is your rating for Mission Impossible 3? 7.5. Okay. So that is, yes, your favorite out of the three. Uh, Josh, Mission Impossible 3, what do you think? Same. 7.5. Okay. Uh, I think I'm going to be the most generous here. Uh, I'm giving Mission Impossible 3 a 9. Because <laughs> I... Like it, I, screw you! I fucking love this movie. I, <laughs> I think there are some that are probably better. I think some of the later ones are really, really good. So they have a, I think, a better potential to hit that that ten for me, or at least a nine point five or there's, something. But like I said, no this way was, any this of these was, movies are a fucking ten. This was my favorite for a while, for a good while. This was well, the they, one. That how long until they made the next one? Is that why? Did it make one for a decade? Five it, years. It, yeah, it took a while in between, and. Like, I like 4 a lot. I still think I like 3 better than 4. I'll go on record and say that right now. You'll find out in two months. Yeah, pretty much. But 5 five and 6 is where they're probably going to end up just ballparking before even having rewatched them. I think they're they're all probably on par with my, my Mission Impossible 3 rating. So somewhere in the 9s to up to 10, I, I would give it for those ones. But we'll see when we get there. Like I said, I, I really liked them when, last time I watched them. We'll see on the rewatch how they how they play out for me. But that's where we're at. Uh, all right, so again, uh, when we come back to the series in two-ish months, something like that, we'll be watching Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, uh, which is the point of the movies, these back three, where they just stop numbering the movies and we just get subtitles for all of them. So Ghost Protocol is number four. That's the one we'll be watching next. So feel free to watch the movie between now and then. Uh, for our, for the recording, so you're ready to go. Otherwise, you can, you know, start listening to the episode, pause us, watch it, and then come back and listen to the review like we did. Yeah. But Mike that's it I, for us. I'll say Mike oh, and good, I already good. flipped our coin, so I will not be back for yeah. uh, Ghost Protocol. Uh, Mike will be joining you again, um, and then I will be back uh, for the two after that. Yeah, we'll end with some Josh time for five and Woo. six. Certainly six. Uh there, as of right now, I mean, by the time if we if our timetable lines up, by the time we get to six, we'll be two months out from seven, so we could go see seven in the theater, and then talk about it afterwards. Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> 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 you know, these are one of those franchises that I think is better in the theater. I definitely would recommend yeah. seeing these things in the theater, especially what they're doing now, like some of the other shit, like IMAX say, and like, to to go back to my you know point I I made a, a while ago, Fallout number six was the first one I saw in theaters and it's it's either my favorite of the six or like just a hair behind three um, and and having that theater experience probably aided it a lot yeah 
So, yeah, we'll see. Well, I'm hoping we can do... I don't know if we'll tag it as, like, a never-seen-that-thing at that point, but because none of us have, will have seen that, but uh, we'll just try to get to a Dead Reckoning review uh, when it comes out and see how we go with that. But that's it. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Give us a share on social media. You can follow or subscribe to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher, Amazon. Hopefully, anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Search Bry Guy and his Super Friends or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email me, Friends at gmail.com. It's there. I probably haven't checked it in eight months or nine months or it's it's been a while. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BG Super Friends. While Twitter still exists, uh, we are still there. Uh, <laughs> feel free to follow me on Twitch at Jedi Bry Guy. That's Jedi with an I, Bry with a Y. If we ever decide to do another live recording of a show, we'll do it there. If you want to randomly see me stream some video games, I also do that there. And that's it for us. So on behalf of Andy, Ian, Josh, and myself, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>